Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden in New York City. I'm at Rich Valdez. That's Rich Valdez with an S at the end on Parlor, on Twitter, on Instagram. Get at me on Facebook, wherever. I want to hear from you. Today, we're going to talk about the police being under attack, literally getting hit over the head with baseball bats. And a little while ago, the New York Post published some surveillance video showing that people delivered these bats, pulled up on the Brooklyn Bridge, unloaded them from the trunk, grabbed the bats and brought them over to where the protesters, which I'm going to call rioters, where they were. This is some crazy stuff. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I'm sure it's happened. I mean, I've seen professional protesters doing their thing in the past, but I've never seen anything this blatant and this hardcore against the police. Cops are getting hurt. Even the police chief got hurt. But New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio said he was going to send violence interrupters to tamp things down and break it up. Listen to this. Community leaders, community organizations walking with police officers showing common cause. The crucial role of the Cure Violence Movement in the crisis management system. Doing what they do so well, engaging people figuring out where conflicts may be, mediating, stopping violence before it even happens. Now, I don't know about you, but what the hell is a violence interrupter? Now, he, of course, he gives some explanation of what it is. He's sending in social workers and cops and cops that are not going to have their own liability and cops that are going to have their hands up. So it's going to be the cops that are going to be shouting, hands up, don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot. What kind of violence are they going to interrupt? They're going to get their butts beat. They're going to walk right into an ambush. We've seen this happen over and over and over. Cops getting ambushed. If we didn't already know, I would ask de Blasio, what side are you on? But we already know whose side he's on. The side of the people that are against the police. And this has nothing to do with race. Nothing. More and more people realize it. I was scrolling through my Instagram stories and I saw a post from Damani Felder. He was out to dinner when BLM protesters arrived, started heckling, doing whatever it is they do. Before you know it, there was a brawl. He goes live on Instagram to capture this on video, and it's fascinating. It's about a 12-minute video. At the end, one of the people that are with him, or that's not with him, but at the restaurant as well, a black woman, she says, absolutely black lives matter, but everything has a time and a place. It ain't even us on that. It's the majority white people that came in disturbing the peace. Exactly. Now, we agree, black lives matter, but it's a time and place for everything, y'all. It's a time and place for everything. Thank you. She couldn't be more right. Things are out of control, and it's intentional. They know exactly what they're doing. In the video, he cites cultural Marxism, and he's spot on. The bigger issue, I think, at least for me, is the fact that people are allowing their good name 
to be dragged through the mud. The BLM founders are clear about who they are, but so many people are supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, not because they want to promote Marxism and they want anarchy and they want to overthrow the government. No, because they truly believe that all people matter and that Black Lives Matter too. And I agree with that. No one human life is superior or above another. I'm not Nick Cannon. Listen to this. People that don't have it have are are a little and I'm, I'm going to say this carefully <laughs> are a little less. And 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 where the term actually comes from, because I'm bringing it all the way back around okay. to, to Minister Farrakhan to where they may not have the compassion or the the when they were sent to the mountains of Caucasus when they when they didn't have the power of the sun that was that the sun then started to deteriorate mm -hmm. them so then they're acting out of fear they're acting out of low self-esteem they're acting out of a, a deficiency mm -hmm. so therefore the only way that they can act is evil but like i said this has nothing to do with race but everything to do with control, everything to do with coalescing people, getting them all riled up around something that is good, like racial justice. That's good. I don't even like that word personally. I don't think that there's a, a need for the word racial justice. Justice is justice. But I don't think there's anybody, at least that I know personally, that thinks it's good for us to have racism. Racism is one more form of sin. It's like saying we shouldn't have murder. We shouldn't have fights. We shouldn't have drug addiction. People are screwed up and they do screwed up things. Teach your kids to not do that. Got it. Doesn't mean it's going to go away. I understand. But to say that black people are suffering at the hand of police disproportionately, at least from the resources that I'm looking at, is false. There's a website, statistia.com, that I've looked at and shows that whites die at the hands of police officers unarmed more than black people. And yesterday, I'm looking at this new report from Just Facts, JustFacts.com, that's J-U-S-T-F-A-C-T-S.com by James Agresti. And it says, a recent New York Times article by Jeremy Peters claimed it is a fact that black people suffer disproportionately from police brutality. He also asserts that President Trump's rejection of this accusation is racially inflammatory and racially divisive. Divisive. I like to say divisive, though. It just sounds better to me, but I know it's divisive. Now, he continues. To the contrary, comprehensive facts show that this allegation against police is false. Furthermore, this deception has stoked racial divides, driving people to despise one another and even murder police officers. In an interview with CBS News that's slated to air tonight, Catherine Herridge asked President Trump, why are African Americans still dying at the hands of law enforcement in this country? He responds, that's a terrible question and good for him. Listen to this. Let's talk about George Floyd. You said George Floyd's death was a terrible thing. Terrible. Why are African Americans still dying at the hands of law enforcement in this country? And so are white people. So are white people. What a terrible question to ask. So are white people. More white people, by the way. More white people. CBS News, The New York Times, and many other media outlets are criticizing Trump's response because blacks are a much smaller portion of the U.S. population than whites. Now, Just Facts is citing a 2018 paper by the Journal of Social, Psychological, and Personality Science, where they say using the test uh, for racial disparity of police using deadly force to compare those odds of being fatally shot for blacks to the odds of being fatally shot for whites 
is flawed because it relies on the false assumption that white and black people commit life-threatening crimes at the same rates. The Center for Policing Equity shows that police are 42% less likely to use lethal force when arresting black people than when they're arresting white people. Now, according to the Journal of Social, Psychological, and Personality Science, the facts about murder and police killings underscore the reality that black people represent 13% of the U.S. population, but they also represent 53% of murder offenders and roughly 33% of people killed by police. When you combine those facts, it disproves the claim that black people suffer disproportionately from police brutality. Yet media outlets continually ignore these facts or report them in isolation so that their implications are obscured. Meanwhile, they're widely spread, they're counterfactual, and they're reaching millions of people with these lies. Stoking racial division, hatred for police, and murder. The Just Facts article cites three examples. Before Ismael Brinsley murdered New York City policeman Rafael Ramos and Wenjian Liu back in 2014, he posted on Instagram, Quote, I'm putting wings on pigs. Today they take one of ours. Let's take two of theirs. Hashtag shoot the police. Can you believe that? That's crazy. He actually went on to put RIP Eric Gardner and hashtag this may be my final post. In 2016, Black Lives Matters protesters in Dallas, where one of them in the crowd chanted hands up, don't shoot. A guy named Micah Johnson shot and killed five police officers. During a standoff with negotiations, he said he wanted to kill white people, especially white officers. All of the policemen he murdered were white. Ten days later, Gavin Eugene Long shot six Baton Rouge, Louisiana police officers, killing three of them. His suicide note stated, I must bring the same destruction to bad cops that they continue to inflict on my people, quote, indicating people of color. And there's a lot more to the article and citations. I wanted to bring awareness to it because Just Facts does a great job putting information together and they always get you the information that you need when it's most needed. At a time like this, when people are being led by the nose by false information. Now, of course, everything is arguable. And people are going to say, oh, you just want it. You're using the, uh, the, the, the right wing data, the white supremacist talking points. Listen, that argument in effect, creates perpetual lawlessness. If we're going to criticize the facts as false every single time, when there's truly no truth, then one race of people can always say, oh, because I'm oppressed, they're doing this, it's systemically against me, whatever the race may be. They're always going to be able to say, I can do this and that because of this and that. I can go kill cops because they disproportionately kill people of my race. Is that how it works? I thought we just weren't supposed to kill people. We weren't supposed to be criminals. We're not supposed to commit crime. We're not supposed to get into fatal showdowns with the police. We're not supposed to hit them over the head with bats. Come on. It's like we lose sight of everything. All of a sudden, everybody wants to say, oh, no, it's because of this. And oh, because they did that. Hold up, man. I grew up poor. My parents were born in Puerto Rico, lived in Brooklyn till I was 12, moved to Jersey. I've really never had these problems, and I have been the subject of racism on more than one occasion. But I can never say it was systemic, that it was the system that was rigged against me. You want to see a rigged system? Look at a system that is imposed by family courts across America, how it's rigged for women and against men, always in favor of the mother and always against the father. That's actually systemic oppression. It really is. There's nothing fair about it. But that's the fact. That's real. 
has nothing to do with people's race. That's a broken system that needs reform. And there are cops that need better training, granted. But creating a culture of people that have no respect for any authority, that believe that they can do whatever they want whenever they want to, that's not liberty, it's anarchy. And when the government supports it, it becomes tyranny. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a world where the government controls me by force, where the government allows people to be terrorized and doesn't protect them. That's why it was music to my ears when I heard that the Department of Homeland Security moved in on Portland protesters to clear it out with Chad Wolf, the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, saying that the city of Portland has been under siege for 47 straight days by a violent mob while local political leaders refuse to restore law and order to protect their city. Each night, lawless anarchists destroy and desecrate property, including the federal courthouse, and attack the brave law enforcement officers protecting it. Well, kudos to the Department of Homeland Security for upping their game and protecting federal property and in the process protecting federal citizens. As the great one Mark Levin pointed out on his show last night, just because you're a resident of New York or New Jersey or Portland or Seattle or whatever city or state you live in, doesn't negate the fact that you are a citizen of the United States and are entitled to protection by federal law enforcement. Matter of fact, some attorneys would argue that under the United States Civil Rights Act, that you could bring a case against your police and your politicians locally for failing to protect you in those situations. And I think if more people did that, using the Civil Rights Act as the impetus for such a lawsuit, I think you'd see a lot of this craziness begin to stem and it would subside because people would say, oh, snap, this ain't working out right for me. Because right now with the current situation where people are hitting people over the head and those people being the bad guys and the good guys are the cops getting hit over the head with bats, that's just not going to fly. Keep it locked right here. Up next, churches in California are suing the governor. Plus an update on that Twitter hack. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This Is America. This is America. All right, America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez with an S and we are still here live in New York. Kanye West has filed papers to get on the Oklahoma presidential ballot. And three churches are suing Gavin Newsom and the state of California for banning singing in places of worship because of the coronavirus pandemic. You can go outside and shout that Black Lives Matter and whatever else you want to shout. Defunding the police, all that stuff is fantastic. But singing praise to the Lord, that's a problem. It's guys like this guy trying to normalize this. And the reason, you know why this takes any type of root with anybody in society because 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 years ago it was the war on religion and they knew that to pull this off to change the way this country thinks and acts and lives to do what barack obama called fundamental transformation in america you have to eliminate religion you have to eliminate the people's right to defend themselves the second amendment so there's a war on guns There's a war on religion. You're not allowed to have religion. It's a bad thing. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. They try to paint you as some sort of radical. 
Matter of fact, if you're a conservative, like I've always been, they will straight up tell you you're a right-wing nut. It's funny, I make fun of certain people like AOC, all out crazy from Queens. I do believe she's radical, and I do believe she's nuts occasionally. But that's not my sentiment for every last person. That's to the left of me politically. Not everybody wants to abolish ICE, defund the police, pay people to stay home doing nothing through universal basic income, and destroy capitalism like she does. That's pretty much her and Bernie and a few of her buddies that use the Nazi talking points to eradicate Jews and whatnot, like our buddy Nick Cannon, who I've met, by the way. And he was a charming guy, really nice guy. Never thought he'd get into this stuff, but you know, I mean, that's how people are. People can be nice, they can be very affable, and they can hate Jews. They can hate white people. They can hate people like me because I'm like they're in between, where they're looking at me like, pick a side. You're either white or you're black. And I'm like, no, bro, I'm American of Puerto Rican heritage. I speak Spanish. I eat arroz con gandule, pernil, chuletas for sure. And I still love America. I got nothing against the white people. I got nothing against the black people. There's so many like us. And I don't mean Latinos or Hispanos. I'm talking about people that just don't care about race like that. But anyway, Calvary Chapel and River Life Church are suing the state of California and Gavin Newsom. And according to state health officials, quote, places of worship must therefore discontinue singing and chanting activities and limit indoor attendance to 25% of building capacity or a maximum of 100 attendees, whichever is lower. These are new guidelines from the state health officials that are recommending that churches have members sing online or from their homes. Ha! How about they protest online? Why don't they ask people, go ahead and do a Black Lives Matter protest and do it through Zoom. Do it through Facebook Live. Do it on IG Live. I would love for that to happen. Why don't you go paint something on your backyard or, or your driveway instead of painting it in front of Trump Tower? No, of course not. We would never do that because, of course, Mayor Bill de Blasio says that he's going to ban public activities, and he said this the night before they painted that Black Lives Matter thing, saying that it was a historic moment and it was way too important to limit the Black Lives Matters protests. And again, I'm not against those protests. I'm really not. I'm against the movement being false and being hijacked, representing something that it's not. They're trying to bring about political change, not for the sake of police brutality and not for the sake of helping black people, but for the sake of enslaving people to a political ideology. And that's where I take exception. And my government should not be used for such purpose. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You can be an activist all you want. Don't start hiring the Department of Transit to paint murals. That's not the intention of tax dollars. But when you have a mayor here in New York that is clearly fascistic in the way that he governs, this is what you get. Now, I know it's often criticized for being fake news, but there's an article I want to read to you from CNN. Twitter's massive hack could be even worse than it seems. Dun, dun, dun. So last night, President Obama, Vice President Biden, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, Warren Buffett, all got hacked by somebody asking for donations in Bitcoin. Now, CNN's saying that cybersecurity experts and policymakers now worry that the Bitcoin scam may be to cover up a much more troubling data breach involving the personal communications of some of these powerful people. And the FBI is looking into it. Now, in this next paragraph, CNN is kind of trying to paint the picture that Twitter has disproportionately large influence on the media, investors and policymakers. 
despite it having a significantly smaller user base than rivals like Facebook, citing the fact that CEOs and U.S. presidents have announced new policy on Twitter before doing it elsewhere. CBS News says that the hacking of these high-profile individuals was a coordinated social engineering attack. So in addition to the hackers posting tweets posing as Kim Kardashian and Bill Gates and the rest of them, saying, hey, send me money via Bitcoin and I'm going to double that in donations to whatever, maybe BLM, maybe some other charity, the hackers walked away with $300 million. Meanwhile, Twitter says, we're looking into whatever other malicious activity there may have been conducting, any information they may have accessed, and we will share more as we have it. That's a tweet from Twitter. And in order to achieve this, they had to lock down all of the verified accounts last night. So if you had a blue check mark next to your name because you're verified on Twitter, you weren't able to tweet. After about an hour, you were able to retweet, and today everything's back to normal. My thinking is, if you were in the White House, and our president, Trump 2020, who I'm voting for, Donaldus Magnus, El Trumpito, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, Imagine being there with him when he tries to tweet or asks the military aide to the president to, hey, send out a tweet or retweet that. And they say, sorry, sir, Twitter's been disabled. There's a hack. Can you imagine? I was thinking about it last night with uh, my colleague, Mr. Producer, and we were saying, imagine if he says, that's it, folks. That's it right now. Get me at Jack and parlor. I think I'm going to parlor. I can't be held down. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Get me at John. I want at John and at Jack. We're going to have them in a ring. They're going to go at it. One of them's going to win, and I'm staying with the winner. Maybe. I don't know. But it would have been humorous to see that go down. Now, I'm sure lots of conspiracy theorists are going to start to theorize what was behind it all. Was it really just, hey, some bad guys that were hacking, and they hacked people that had high trust factors with people so they could take money from people? Maybe. Was it intentional? Was Biden and Barack in on it with the rest of them that may have had some exposure to something? Do they know that something's about to go down? And they decided, hmm, let's get rid of some money because maybe sanctions are going to be brought against us. And if we have no money because we lost it in that, oh, that Twitter hack, then maybe we could uh, hide some of our money. I don't know. Anything's possible without proof. I have no crystal ball, and it's not my position to uh, speculate a whole lot. I'll speculate on things like who's going to win the election. DJT, Trump train wins. Donaldus Magnus, El Trumpito, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, gets reelected. That's my prediction. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I doubt it. I think Pennsylvania is going to take a while to figure out because of their voting irregularities that they've had thus far. I don't think they're going to get those fixed in time. I think it's going to take a day or two three, maybe a week to figure out that Trump won in Pennsylvania and they're going to try and steal it all along the Democrats. That's what they do. That's why they're pushing this mail-in voter fraud business. But I think the president's on to them. The American people are on to them and nobody wants to see that happen. At least nobody that loves America wants to see that happen. And that's what it all boils down to. Either you love America or you don't. You either love liberty or you don't. Keep it locked right there. We're almost done. I'm going to wrap it up on the other side of this. I'm Rich Valdez, and you're listening to This Is America. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Thank you very much for sticking with me. I want to thank you all, like I always do, for sharing the podcast, for sharing the social media posts, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter. 
or Parler. It's definitely working. We had several thousand, I think 6,000 additional downloads uh, from one month to the next. So the growth is just something that we're really happy about. I'm very thankful for. And my hope is that this audience, some of you are political junkies, but many of you are like my kids, literally, like both my teenagers listen to this show. Of course, I have to prod them and remind them when they get to like 12, 13, 25, 32 episodes that they haven't downloaded. But I make sure that when there's a really uh, relevant topic to something I think they would appreciate, I ask them to listen. And I know that they share it with their people. And there's a younger audience because I've seen the numbers and we do well with the 18 to 34 demographic as well as we do with others. And I'm super grateful for that. It's truly a blessing to have this opportunity to speak with you guys. So I encourage you to keep doing it. Stay in touch through social media. Keep sharing it with your friends that you think will appreciate it. We try to keep these to short 20 to 30 minute podcasts three times a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and we do a live show on WABC radio on Saturday, which gets condensed into a podcast as well. So you've got three new episodes every week and they're short, they're concise. We try to pack in a lot of information and some analysis and opinion on that information and what the news of the day so that you know what's going on, especially as we head into an election that's four months away. But one of the things that I really hope you walk away from after listening to This Is America is an understanding of how our government works, a stronger philosophical opinion that supports the free markets, maybe a desire to pick up a book by Thomas Sowell or Milton Friedman. Friedman, by the way, has a wonderful quote about free markets. The great virtue of a free market system is that it does not care what color people are. It does not care what their religion is. It only cares whether they can produce something you want to buy. It is the most effective system we have discovered to enable people who hate one another to deal with one another and help one another. An intellectual giant, he was Milton Friedman, one of his protégés, Thomas Sowell, another intellectual giant. And I bring up the free market because it's truly the answer in so many ways. Liberty is the answer. I'm not a hardcore radical libertarian on most issues. I do like the idea that there's a government that'll send a fire truck and some firefighters to put out a fire if I have one. I do like the idea that even though there's enough firepower in one's house to stop most bad guys, that we can call the cops and a coroner to clean up the mess. I do like the idea of having a paved road and a street sweeper and people that take care of my community. But I am a radical libertarian when it comes to, I think I should have as much firepower as I want to have, definitely as much as my government has. Because the point of the Second Amendment was never for you to have a musket, but to protect yourself from a tyrannical government. And if there's one thing that we've seen is that our government has become increasingly tyrannical. And our government is not monolithic. It's made up of guys like Trump that are fighting tooth and nail to hold on to the traditional values what the founders wanted. Everybody said he was going to take us to war. We were going to go to war. Rocket man. People that were paying attention, they knew. They knew very well. Trump's not a war guy. He doesn't care to make his money from Raytheon or the rest of the military defense contractors. Trump's a builder and he made his money. He'll go make some more money later on as an ex-president like they all do. Right now, he took on a job. In my interview with Don Trump Jr., if you heard it, he said, my father knew exactly what he was going to get into and what they were going to do to him. And he did it anyway. 
and what he calls the famous elevator ride down to the famous escalator ride that changed all of their lives. So I constantly like to cite President Trump as an example of patriotism, as a guy who made it, whose kids don't have a worry in the world. He had no reason to run for public office other than to help. Some people out there saying, oh, yeah, no, he's enriching himself. Listen, in 2012, I took my kids to Washington. We had a great time. And the old post office building was closed when we went. And they said, oh, we're sorry, it's closed. It's, uh, it's actually been sold to Trump. He's going to build a hotel here. That was 2012. Three years later, he makes his escalator ride. I don't know about you, but in those years, the guy was making money hand over fist. He didn't need to buy a hotel in Washington just to become president to make money from a few people that want to stay at the Trump Hotel while they're in D.C. All right, yeah, you make some money, but nobody goes through what he's going through, the ridicule they're putting him through, the persecutions, the political prosecutions. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I laugh at those arguments, but the real point here, the bottom line, what this all boils down to is he stood for something. And I end every one of these shows saying, stand for something, because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And that's true. We have to know what we stand for. And right now, people to the left, of me at least, are standing up for Marxism, standing up for socialism, standing up for a stronger central government, not a weaker one, not a more limited one. They're standing up against our rights and in favor of government control. I don't know about you, but if that's what you want for your kids, then vote for Biden. Definitely not what I want. And that's why I encourage you to get active. Learn something, read something, do something, get on it. The time has never been more important than it is right now. This is the time. I'll leave you with the words of Sir Edmund Burke. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do absolutely nothing. So rise up, get her done, and help keep America great. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, America. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 